0: I have a trick question. How many quarterbacks will Lincoln Riley coach into a Heisman Trophy winner before he leaves USC? You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Colkin and thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day, Monday through Friday. Whether you're watching me on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free. I appreciate your support. Show your appreciation. It means a lot to the show. We're getting close to that 4,000 number. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. When you see that thumbs up, smash it into the ground. And again, hit that bell notification button, and that way you don't miss an episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com forward slash locked on college or enter promo code locked on college for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. We know what Lincoln Riley has done so far. Take a peek at the rundown today. USC got another stud quarterback recruit. This kid, this young man comes in with a lot of fanfare already. We're going to get to the commitment of 2026 quarterback Juju Lewis in just a moment. Uh, it's kind of a buildup. We know what Lincoln Riley has done so far. I have this part. This is kind of a trick question. If Caleb Williams wins the Heisman Trophy again this year, does that make Lincoln Riley have a... Obviously, he gets to take another Heisman trophy into his trophy case, but does he get another quarterback uh, number on his belt, so to speak? Kind of a trick question. Here's the thing behind Caleb Williams, let's say he wins the Heisman this year, making back to back. In the bullpen, Lincoln Riley's got Miller Moss waiting as well as Malachi Nelson. Now, those two are going to battle in 2024 to be the starter for the USC. Down on the farm, USC class of 2026, Julian Lewis, possibly class of 2025. He has the necessary credits, school units to reclassify if he chooses to. And I'm telling you, he's going to. And there's also a solid chance that he's going to end up playing his the, the balance of his high school ball, not this year, but next year and the year after uh, in Southern California. So we'll see where he ends up, but there's a good chance he's going to be playing for one of these Southern California high school powerhouses. Could be Modern Day, could be St. John Bosco, could be Centennial out there in the Inland Empire. We'll keep you updated. Now... For what it's worth, since Riley became a head coach back in 2017. Well, actually I want to back up. Let's let's talk about Juju. Since Riley took over USC's football program, Juju has visited USC four times. So there, there's obviously a relationship that's been built there. Tuesday morning, word came down that Julian Lewis a.k.a. Juju, he's a sophomore. He's going to be a sophomore quarterback in uh, in Carrollton, Georgia. He committed to USC Tuesday morning. Lots of coaches and programs. You know, they can boast about their, you know, the players that they've helped develop into Heisman Trophy winners. Since Riley became a head coach back in 2017, six years ago, he's had five starting quarterbacks. Four of them have been a Heisman Trophy finalist. Three of one. That's a crazy number. So there should be very little argument that Lincoln Riley is a quarterback whisperer. And you don't have to take my word for it. You know, I could build it up. Let's take Juju's words for it at face value. Quote, at the end of the day, it's about what Coach Riley does with quarterbacks. This is what he told on three director of recruiting, Chad Simmons. Coach Riley develops quarterbacks. He really knows how to manage the room, and he knows how to feature guys at that position. The track record he has with quarterbacks really made a big difference in my recruitment. I thought it would be January or next spring before I made my my decision, but the timing and the school just made too much sense. There was no reason to wait any longer. I felt strong about USC. They made me feel like, like I was their guy, and the timing just happened earlier than I thought it would. End quote. There you go. On yesterday's show, my everyday viewers and listeners, they're going to remember me talking about Quince Orchard's Jalen Harvey and how he might be close to making, a, making his choice known. So, Fresh off of USC getting their quarterback of the future, class of 2026, probably class of 2025. Should he reclassify? There was more recruiting news. We're gonna make this episode, the first segment of this episode, all about recruiting. So, as I mentioned, I, I mentioned Jalen Harvey's name on yesterday's episode and how he's close to making a decision. Well, it was a little less than two weeks ago that Jalen narrowed his school choices down to three. USC, Maryland, and Penn State, okay? On Tuesday, like I said, it was a big recruiting day for USC, at least news-wise. Jalen Harvey uh, told uh, werc.com's Scott Schrader, this is what he's reporting, that Jalen is going to be in Los Angeles this weekend for the game against San Jose State. 5 p.m. kickoff, just to remind everybody. And the reason Jalen's coming back out is his season doesn't start till the following weekend. So it works out well. So despite Jalen still not having, and I'm using finger quotes for my listeners, not having an official commitment date set, he did say that he'll be announcing his school choice in the upcoming weeks. So you would think this uh, has to be a good sign for USC. I mean, if he's willing to come back out for another unofficial visit, remember, someone's paying for that. The last time he came to USC, he uh, it made a pretty big impression. This is what he said. My interest in USC was already there. But when I went up there, I felt like I was home. I felt like I could be myself. And the coaches around the coaches and the players out of all of my official visits, USC was number one. The people out there in Cali are calm, cool and collected and they keep to themselves. That's the kind of person I am. End quote. He continued. I'll probably be. It will probably be this month before the first game or at halftime against Stonebridge, our third game of the season. Our first game was away but our game against Stonebridge is at home. He's talking about when he could make his commitment announcement. Now, if Jalen Harvey, who's from the state of Maryland, decides to join the 2024 class, he's going to be joining, he would be the third rush end in the class, and he would be joining Eli Newby from the state of Connecticut and Cameron Fountain out of the state of Georgia. So I'm thinking some people might be saying, well, Mark, does that mean USC is ignoring the state of California when they're recruiting? Let's see. Let's take a peek since we're here. USC's three highest rated players on their commitment list for class of 2024, Xavier Jordan, Ryan Pelham, and Marcellus Williams, all three from the state of California. Okay. Marquise Gallegos, another four-star. He's from California. So. Out of USC's current 15 verbal commitments, four are from the state. I also need to remind ourselves that there were two other recruits from the state of California who were a part of the class before they flipped to leave the state. Dakota Fields going to Oregon and offensive lineman Manasi Ititi, who decided he wants to go to Florida State. Uh, Both are going to have a... uh, nice NIL bag to get them comfortable in their new locations. So for those of you out there who like to manipulate statistics, if if USC was able to keep those two, that would have been six out of 17 verbal commitments, not quite half, but it does show a trend that USC's coaching staff that's out there recruiting, they haven't given up on the local talent and state. There was some other recruiting news. As anticipated, unfortunately, Edric Houston, he picked Ohio State on Tuesday. I think most Trojan fans knew that was going to happen. And the other part of that is USC is going to get a chance to see Edric on the other side of the field, uh, possibly as early as 2025, when the Trojans and the Buckeyes were tentatively scheduled to play. Remember, that was before Oregon and Washington decided to kind of muck things up. Uh, Jen Cohen, USC's new athletic director, did mention at her introduction press conference yesterday that they're rapidly trying to rearrange those two schedules now with those two schools being added to the conference. So we're going to see how different those initial 2024 and 2025 schedules look when they are re-released. And oh, by the way, I'm not sure when the episode from Locked On Ducks is going to air, but um, I was on—I was on this afternoon, Tuesday, uh, with their host Spencer McLaughlin. We're previewing the USC versus Oregon game later in the season. And yes, USC fans, I made sure their fan base understood where they exist on the totem pole of life. Yeah, you know me—I love to stir the pot and get a little extra, get a little extra vinegar to the recipe, so to speak. Speaking of stirring things up, one last note on yesterday's show. I mentioned that the peristyle end of the Coliseum was going to have some new banners. This is awesome. I can tell how many people watch this show loyally because this morning, all over social media, guess what was mentioned? I talked about it. I dropped a little hint not only here, but over on wersc.com where I'm at the other when you can't find me here. Somehow or another, that news got out. So this is why you and everybody should be making Locked on USC your first listen every single day, Monday through Friday. This is where you get those little nuggets. It's either here, it's going to be over on WeRSC.com, And I am hoping to get some confirmation on who will leave the team out of the tunnel by the end of a workday Wednesday. So tune in to Locked on USC Thursday. You might find out who that could be. It's summertime, and that means it's time for you to put on your bird dog shorts. Bird dogs make you look good because they're designed to fit you slimmer through the thigh. No more chafing, no more rubbing. Bird dogs make you look good because they're designed to fit you slimmer through the thigh, slimmer through the thigh, giving you that sculptured look. But they're going to fit way better and way more comfortable than their competition like Lululemon, and they're definitely fit way better than those regular cotton shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs, you know what else? They also use an anti-stink, anti-sweat wicking fabric. And that's going to keep you cool and dry all day long because who wants to be sweaty and stinky? There is no trading places. I like wearing my bird dogs because when I look good, I feel good. Go to birddogs.com forward slash lockdown college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash locked on college. Use the promo code locked on college for that free Yeti style Tumblr. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. So let's move on in the second part of the show here. If you're looking at the rundown, what do we? What should we anticipate? What should we expect? Finger quotes from the offense. I really don't like using the word expect expectation, because when you don't get it, you're let down. That's why I like to use the word anticipation. On yesterday's show, we started talking about the defense and what we should anticipate. Let's do the same thing for the offensive side of the ball. What should we be looking for when the Trojans take the field this Saturday? In the third segment, I'm going to talk about my first duck chart release before the official one is let out later this week. But the one thing I really do anticipate, uh, and I hope it comes to fruition as far as the offense is concerned, is Caleb Williams better have his butt on the bench in the second half. And that's because I don't care if they have to hide his helmet. <laughs> Whatever it takes to lock up his, compar- his competitive spirit and let him know you don't need to play the finals. Half of the third quarter and all of the second quarter. Excuse me, fourth quarter of the second half. And I look, I don't know how many of you uh head on over and watch Inside the Trojan Huddle. I do it's the weekly four panel, uh four-panel show that I do. Uh, but my partner in crime, Chris Arledge. Um, he said it best, and I agree with him. There better not be one designed run call with Caleb Williams' number. There is absolutely no reason why he or anybody on the first string should be playing past the first offensive series in the second half. I look at it this way if USC gets five or six offensive series in the first half, which I think would probably be a low number, uh, I anticipate USC's defense giving them at least two more extra opportunities. So seven or eight offensive series in the first half. I anticipate a touchdown on each one of their first half drives. Look, I'm not trying to you know, come down really hard on San Jose State, but they don't match up. And Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley and this offense, it's going to be really good. There's a reason USC is considered a 30-point favorite. So if they score touchdowns on their seven or eight drives of the first half, they're obviously well on their way to putting up 50-plus 50, 50 for the game. So if they come out in the second half and score on their first offensive series, Caleb Williams, sit down, as well as the rest of the starters. You're done for the game. Let's get the backups on the field so they can earn some really valuable repetitions that's really going to help out with the depth charts later into the season. Don't forget, you can play up to four games at any point of the season and not burn your red shirt. The key word that I talked about in the last thing about helping up the depth charts. Keyword depth. The coaching staff needs to see who they who they can count on, who can make an impact on offense. That's what we're looking for in this game, especially on the offensive line. As far you know, as far as the offensive line is concerned, this is what I want to see: how well are they playing as a unit, and are they playing behind the sticks? What do I mean by playing behind the sticks? No holding calls. And I do not I do not want to see any more than two illegal procedure calls for the entire game. Here's something else I think we're going to find out. Well, I don't know if we'll get a, a, a definitive answer, but I think we'll start to get an idea of who Caleb's favorite target will be. Um, and we'll get that based on how many pass attempts go to a particular wide receiver. I mean, he's got a toolbox of every type of wide receiver necessary. What does the running game look like? And how much time will the freshman running backs get in this game? And ask that same question and apply it to the freshman wide receivers. Which one, is Which one of those guys are going to see the most action? The smart money would probably say bet on Zachariah Branch, freshman wide receiver. You also should anticipate seeing him on special teams. He's special. He's really, really, really good. Although, you know, Jacoby Lane's name has been getting mentioned a lot during fall camp. This is what I anticipate, this is what I want. Not what I need, what I want from USC's offense in game one. At least 600 yards of total offense. I think that's an easy request. I want at least 200 of those yards coming from the ground game. Very easy. And I think we're going to see at least six touchdown passes in the game. Four from Caleb. The other two you can split up between Miller Moss and Malachi Nelson. And no field goal attempts in this game. No offense to Dennis Lynch, but this is a touchdown-only scoring affair, at least until the fourth quarter. So if I see you on the field doing anything but kickoffs and extra points, did USC's offense have a bad series or did San Jose State's defense step up? I guess both are possible. They're not mutually exclusive from one another. All right. Let's uh, start talking about the depth chart. My depth chart. This is not the official depth chart released by by USC or Lincoln Riley. On Monday night, Um, Lincoln Riley is a part of the Trojans live radio show. It's hosted by Jordan Moore and Healy and, oh gosh, why am I having a brain fart? Sean, Cody, I apologize, Sean. Those are the three people who typically host the Trojans live radio show. This is what Lincoln Riley said Monday. I do think we have a few positions where some guys have started to separate themselves. And I would say, I would say likely that they'll trot out with the first team on Saturday, end quote. There are going to be multiple depth charts um, before USC goes on the road for their first game against ASU. That's in September. Just a reminder, USC opens their season at home with three consecutive home games. San Jose State, Nevada, and then Stanford. Then there's a bye week and then they head to Tempe to play Arizona State. And they'll follow that up with another road game at Colorado. I'm positive things will start to settle in by, by the Stanford game. I think Lincoln Riley will have a pretty good idea of who his first first team and second team guys are. I think it's a good idea now. Those first two games will really solidify it. So without further ado. Here is my depth chart before Lincoln Riley releases the official one sometime before USC kicks off Saturday at 5 p.m. Probably come out on Thursday or Friday. Here is the quarterback depth chart for the San Jose State game. And you can literally, you can write this one down in pen. No need to put in pencil, scratch anything out. Caleb Williams, Miller Moss, Malachi Nelson in that order. And we might even see a little bit of Jake Jensen who, I don't know if people know this, out of high school, he signed with Brigham Young, BYU. He then took a two-year mission. So we'll see uh, by the end of the year, you know, how much of his quarterbacking, how how much of those quarterback skills have come back. How many wide receivers is USC going to trot out when they take the field? three or four, is it going to be a three or five, four wide receiver set? I don't think you're going to send five out there. I'm going to go with the four wide receiver set. Here are your starters. Dorian Singer, Brendan Rice, Taj Washington, and Michael Jackson III, or Mario Williams. There's your first or of the depth chart season. I hate when I hate when they do that. But that just shows you that there's, Very little separation. And whoever practices better during the week typically ends up being that first guy out there. That's the determining factor. That and injuries. Plus, um, there's Kyron Hudson. You've got Rayleigh Brown, Zachariah Branch, Deuce Robinson, Jacoby Lane, Makai Lemon. Did I forget anybody? If I did, I apologize. Quote, typically, this is Lincoln Riley again. Even if you have a good room, you might have a couple of guys that aren't quite ready to play. The reality is, every one of the freshmen are ready to play. Every one of the transfers are ready to play. And every one of the guys we brought back are ready to play. Obviously, it's a good problem to have. We'll have guys in and out of the lineup. We'll we'll use those guys in a lot of different ways. Those guys are going to have a prominent role on special teams as well. Will certainly get a lot of great work and a lot of mileage out of all of them. End quote. <laughs> Excuse me. Tight end. Lake McCree and Jude Wolf are the tight ends. And depending on, you know, 11 personnel, 12 personnel, one of those two will always be on the field. Um, and then don't forget, Carson Tabarachi is probably going to get, we're going to get our first opportunity to see him in a Trojan uniform, playing in a real game. We'll we'll see uh, what he looks like at his new position. At running back, Austin Jones. I could put in or Marshawn Lloyd, but I think Austin Jones will be the first running back out there. If they go slip back, it'll be Jones and Lloyd, and then Barlow behind those guys. Here is my first-team offensive line from left to right. Jonah Monheim, Emmanuel Prayon. Remember, you say it like you're French, Preyon, Or Gino Cagnones, Justin Niedich at center, Jarrett Kingston, right guard, and Michael Tarquin will be the starting right tackle. Second team, left to right, Mason Murphy or Elijah Page, Gino or Eman, Emmanuel Preyon. Whichever one doesn't start will be second string. Center backup for this game will probably be Gino. Right guard is Andrew Malek, and right tackle Mason Murphy. Again, I, I'm on record. Mason is going unless he can kick Tarquin to the to the curb. Mason is going to be that swing tackle, left to right, depending on where he's needed. Let's flip to the other side of the ball on defense. Here's my front four against San Jose State: Anthony Lucas at rush end, Bear Alexander, defensive tackle, Keon Bars, nose guard, Jack Sullivan, defensive end. There is a lot of versatility up front, and this is a great, great thing to have as well as the depth. Second guy, second team. I'm going Jameel Muhammad at rush end, Tyrone Tulaney. Stanley Taofo, and Dejon Benton, or Solomon Bird. Just like on offense, eventually the bench is going to be cleared. Anybody who is healthy enough to play will. All right, I'm going to do it. I'm in. Here's your first team linebacker unit. Taka Curtis and Mason Cobb. They're going to start at linebacker. Behind them will be Rajon Davis, Shane Lee. Here's why. If Gentry is not 100%, I'll be happy to wait one more week to see him get 100% and step on the field against Nevada. If he's not healthy, do not play in this game. There's no reason. We know what you're capable of. Um Mason Cobb, by the way, he said he's worked at middle linebacker during the spring. Uh, during the fall, he's also added the weak side. So he's getting proficient at both linebacker spots. The secondary, again, is incredibly deep and incredibly talented, and it's going to make Lincoln Riley and Dante Williams' jobs really difficult when they're trying to choose these starting cornerbacks. Alex Grinch as well. I'm sure they will have a say. He's a defensive coordinator, right? I think Sierra Wright and Damani Jackson and Jacoby Covington are the top three guys at cornerback. Riley said this Monday night. From spring on, he's probably been our most consistent performer and probably probably one of our most improved players on the entire team. Uh, Riley was talking about Sierra Wright at cornerback. He just continues to do it day after day. So I'm going to go based on Lincoln Riley, Sia Wright, and Damani Jackson. The safety room is just as deep and just as talented. Look, I'm going Kalen Bullock, Bryson Shaw, Christian Roland Wallace to begin the game. Not only is that a lot of talent, that's a ton of experience as well. The next group in, it they might not be as experienced, but they are big and fast across the board. My second unit at safety, Zion Branch, Anthony Beavers, Christian Pierce. By the way, uh, you might not be aware of this. As for, if you're looking at measurables, Anthony Beavers might be the biggest guy in the safety room 220, 225 pounds of just solid rock. He's at least six foot two. Not a bad combination, right? Zechariah and Ray Leak are going to be your return specialists. Um, and again, lots of options among the freshmen. So there it is. That's my depth chart going to San Jose State. We're just a few days away. I'm going to have more to talk about leading up to the first game. So make sure you come back for another episode of Locked on USC tomorrow. Come back here five times a week, Monday through Friday. Until then, everyone, you know what to do.